Coming up this week on episode four of the Helly Years podcast, we are talking beef. That's right. What's beef? We're going to have the homies live right here in the Helly Years studio. Big Filet, Tone Tech, and Don Juan. It's going to be a blast. Some great conversation on the way. My brother Maintain out there in Sacramento is going to check in and drop a verse. We're going to be talking about beef songs. We're going to be talking about classic beefs. We're going to be talking about ways and strategies to get past beef. Yeah, it's all coming up right here. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Zach Woodruff. Episode four of the Helly Years podcast starts now. Hip-hop and wellness. You're in the right spot. It's the Helly Years podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is episode four of the Helly Years podcast. My name is Zach Woodruff, a.k.a. Big Hit Boats. And I got my brothers hanging out with me today, man. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I'm most excited. (laughs) Man, we're all in the building today. I can't believe this is happening, gentlemen. I love it. It's great. Yeah, the, the last time we were all together, it was a wild night for me. <laughs> that was my 40th birthday party. Yes, it Do was. Do you remember anything from that? I, <laughs> I think I remember stuff up to about 9 p.m., then I was done. Let's just say Papa Tony had to go home. Early. Papa Tony. I was calling it a night. Call it a night. <laughs> you, know, you know it was a wild night when then you're talking about it and you're like, yeah, that was the last time I ever drank like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when it was that party. It was that party. It was yes. that party, though. All right. Big Filet in the building. What's up with what's your brother? Up? What's up, man? Man, we just in here chilling out, bro. Getting it in. Um, West Coast style, as usual. You know, in here with our guys, Don Juan, Tony Tech. Uh, about to really uh, do it up today but you know just a quick little introduction to everybody and how mm-hmm. we all kind of came across and which is we were just sitting there discussing which is crazy and I, I got to give you guys something really quick because about seven years ago I found my why and my why is connecting people right and and and, and it just came full circle about 30 seconds ago we yeah. were all sitting here talking and <laughs> I am the person that knew everybody before they knew everybody else you're the and why yeah. i am the why and so that's just just super dope you know what i mean like mr boots here i met him what 1998 eight. it was eight florin mall sacramento yeah. california yep chic shoes yep 103.5 the bomb yep and they're doing our thing that's how we connected brothers ever since mm-hmm. tony tech i couldn't even remember how i met him <laughs> He remembered how I met him. So, Tony, please explain to us. How, how did I meet you, bro? Man, it was uh, John B. was in town. I was driving him for uh, for jamming at the time. Do you think and everybody knows who John B. is? Because <laughs> you just kind of just... That's true. John B. was in town. Okay, so... He's a dope <laughs> vanilla R&B artist. R&B artist. John B. was nice doing man. a show. He was at a... He well, fucked with Tupac, too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Artist go down. Um... Anyways, John's like, I need something to smoke. And I'm like, my usual guy was out. I hit up Stan the Man. And he's like, call Ebro's boy for life. And <laughs> about 20 minutes later, he shows up. Boom. It's like we knew each other since day one. And it's never stopped. Hey, man. Connecting like train tracks, you dick. And, uh, you feel me? Where'd you get that weed? Yeah, yeah. Probably from this guy over here, <laughs> which brings me to my next guy in the studios, Mr. Don Juan. The Whistler. Um, I met this guy. I touched down in the Pacific Northwest, 2000. Rock with my dude, Dana Dane. If The old school, the OG. Dana, Dana Dane got me my first two-way. Hey, the OG. Portland people know. Galore. Galore pageant. That was that spot, bro. 
on the K, bro, it was like everybody, everybody came through. Okay. Either the cop music, they had to pay their paper, uh, their beeper bill, or their two-way bill. Like everybody, like everybody who was somebody in the town slid through Galore Plainton, bro. And, and then Don Juan, you were sliding through there or what? I worked there. Don Juan. You worked there. Don Juan was the damn genius down there fixing cell phones. Yeah, he was. Without a manual. He's a fucking scientist, <laughs> dude. For real. Um, and so that's how we met and then found out he was also the uh, <laughs> Mr. Rastafarian man. Yeah. And it was love ever since. He didn't even believe it. I didn't. I was like, hell no, you're not that guy. He was like, where can I get some weed? And everyone's like, go downstairs. Don's got you. I was like, no He was way. like, get the fuck out of here. You would have never known. You wouldn't know. You <laughs> Scientist, know. dude. He looked like a nerd. And then he, you know, I came through and this fool had like 47 flavors. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I'm from California. We only smoke like Humboldt or Champagne. I only like- had 12. <laughs> <laughs> But so this is like around like 2000 ish 2001 2000, yeah, yeah 2000 2001 right so so you're connected with don juan and tony tech then i come out here summer of 03 man and then and then right away the first weekend i'm here with you <laughs> i meet don and i meet tech and then we went to oh man we went to like a a barbecue or a family picnic or something that you took me to it was what's his name Kenny, he cuts hair, or oh, uh, Kenny Warren. Listen, oh, I remember oh, this story yes. because we had a special guest. So K Dub, yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. K Dub, hey Dub, if you remember, it was it was his dad's like retirement party, Shout and everybody was the- so kind and welcoming. Yeah, and, and uh, it was Boots that just got here. Yep, and it was going down in the backyard. We was on Eleventh and going in the hood back when it was the hood. You feel me? And then motherfucking Sashay Ray. Sashay Ray, that was his name. <laughs> hey, if you if you from Portland, you know who this dude is. I didn't know who this dude was. Yeah. See, there was a band playing at the party. All of a sudden, there was somebody singing with the band that wasn't with the band. And it was Sashay Ray. Like, it was a concert. And Dub had to kick him out. It was hella funny. K-Dub. Shout Sashay out to Ray. the average black yeah, man. Yeah, for real. Yes. Getting this shit on in New York. Big shout out to Grizzly Pear. Yeah. Comedian. Nice. If you in New York City, go check my dude out. Yep. Average black man. Yes, sir. But see, again, that was you <laughs> connecting me with people out here in Portland. You guys got to understand, I moved out here. I didn't know anybody except for Filet and Freeze. That's it. That's it. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. But I got my dudes at the radio station, right? And I'm like, all right. I get out here first day, man. You just brought me everywhere. Bro, am I the mayor? The mayor. <laughs> Did we just come up with something? Bro, am I the fucking mayor, bro? Fuck. We're going to have a lot of fun on this episode of the Hell of Years podcast. So we just got started. The first couple of episodes, we've been talking on the phone and just kind of leading up to today. Because that's really the idea of what we want to do is just hang out, talk some shit, talk hip hop, talk wellness, tell stories, yeah. uh, hella, share our art. Hella stories. So many. Hella stories hello, hello. <laughs> so many stories hello man. stories for the hell of years so today we're going to talk about beef beef what's beef what's beef hey but hip-hop is built on beef i mean competition right Absolutely. it starts with competition usually rap. come on right sometimes the beef turns into more yeah tech man it's like 
It's built into our culture when we talk about DJ battles, when you talk about b-boy battles, MC battles, graph wars. Everything that we've done within our hip-hop culture has been about that competition. How do we get better? How do we push each other? And sometimes, motherfucker, I just don't like you, so I want to come at Damn. you. Damn. Damn. Hey. I bet, you, tech, I bet you Tech was pop blocking his ass off. Oh, back in the day. Hey, hey, look hey, hey, shit, hey, look at him. He's doing it right him. now. What the fuck? Too bad video wasn't set up yet. I know he was pop blocking his ass off. Right There'll now. be a dance battle in the future. Oh, oh, I forgot. Don can fucking pop block. I believe it. Oh, Are these two going to battle? Yes. Pay per view. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'll be all a right. special episode. So, yeah, we're going to jump into the topic of beef. We're going to talk about. Just what we come to mind with and what yeah. we think about when it comes to who's been beefing over the years in hip hop. Right. And and but like some of the end results of that and like, you know, what can we do about it now? Like what the what the fuck? <coughs> Excuse me. Beef and a burp. <laughs> <laughs> beef and a burp. <laughs> We're not talking about like beef, like food beef. We're uh, like <laughs> animal beef. Oh, I thought beef. we were talking about like broccoli beef. Kung like, <laughs> Pao beef. God damn. <laughs> Shit, I thought we was going Chinese because I was here. For the record, Don's Asian. <laughs> he can say that. <laughs> don't cancel us yet. Yeah. Hey, for real. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Go ahead and cancel I had out. Boys. I had out to talk like this. <laughs> See, I'm allowed to laugh at any time like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to have a lot of fun, man. Beef, it's coming up. We're going to look at NWA. We're going to start with yeah. NWA in just Ooh. a little bit. Well, I think it's kind of like one of the core, like, beefs that kind of, like, really kind of, like, kickstarts a lot of beef. I couldn't think uh, of I couldn't think of anything before then. No. That, well, that was I'm my, sure there were, right? That monumental beef. We're talking about stuff that was in our face and that we, like, that, uh, I'm sorry, it made me have to pick a side. We had access to that beef, right? Because it was so public, you know, hey, NWA's third, the best group, they're my favorite group, my favorite member so-and-so, my favorite member so-and-so. Well, fuck, Cube just left, you know? And everybody's yep. like, what's going on? And then, yeah, it just, it just gets into so much more after that. And I was a fucking Cube guy afterwards. Were you? Yeah. I was always I, a Cube guy. I was Lynch Mob. Cuban and Lynch Mob, bro. I fucked with the Lynch Mob, too. Death Certificate, Gorillas bro. Gorillas in the Mist. Oh, bro. One yeah. of my all-time favorite albums. If you don't know, go listen to it. We're going to have a lot of fun. What's beef? Coming up, we're talking NWA in just a few minutes. So uh, keep it right here, asshole. Asshole. <laughs> it's all about good music and being healthy. This is the Hella Years Podcast. Santana, my G. I am. You know that I just act against me. All I ever did was.
was me Stay out the way or low key in the streets Rather shine on the beat A little Malcolm, little Martin when I speak All I ever wanted to be was this high with a fly mist The vibe is a fly mix Smoking on some purple Kush mist They don't even breathe this Coughing while I'm breathing Aromatic chief and got the whole room reeking All I ever wanted to be was this I can't be nobody else All I ever wanted to be was this All I ever wanted You can't be nobody else All I ever wanted to be was this All I ever wanted I can't be nobody else All I ever wanted to be was this All I ever wanted You can't be nobody else Good old American cussing Good old American cussing God damn it and shit like that. <laughs> That's what I was brought up on. That's fantastic right never. there. What's up, everybody? It's the Hell Years Podcast, episode four. We're talking beef. My name is Zach Woodruff, a.k.a. Big Kid Boots. What's that? It's your boy, Filet. Don Juan. Tone Tech. It's a good thing, man. We're going to talk beef right here, right now. Uh, first beef that comes to mind when you think of hip-hop, when you think of beef, do we start with NWA? We have to start there. Right? The epitome. It's, it is the start. Of beef and probably one of the well, first and foremost, um, you're 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 talking about a group that changed the landscape of music and the way that we like get music. Uh, there was these guys that came together that formed this thing that was what I guess we can call now, and it was labeled as gangster rap, right, Don? Yeah, right. And so we have this gangster rap thing out there. And then uh, they do their thing, and it becomes, it's so, uh, what's the best way to put it, Boots? Like, it was so, like, it was emotional. It touched in with the streets. It it was like this, it was the first time these pictures were being painted of, like, everyday life and reality of the youngsters, right, Tech? Man, it, it connected us and gave us an access to something we have never seen before. Agreed. And when we first saw that and we got that glimpse, you know, whether we were connecting with it because, hey, you're going through that same shit or you're like, that's some cool ass shit. I want to check that out. And when you know what's crazy, because you grew up out here, right, Oregon, you never seen it before. This is no. shit I was seeing every day. You see, it wasn't on a level like that. You know, you it was. See what I'm saying? It, it was a lot different. You know, but yeah. but when when NWA comes, I mean, shit, dude, we were a bunch of little Mexicans in a small ass town. We all had. MWA on the oh, back of our Levi M- jackets that we G. all tagged up ourselves. Hey, listen, bro. I love my Latino brothers. I love them. Oh, I get it. Mexicans with attitude. Oh, oh yes. my God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. But anyhow, so uh, they played this very pivotal part in kind of setting up the foundation of like hip hop and giving this thing that was accepting to the mass audience. We'll say basically what we call in the uh, music world of crossing over. Right. Right. And so it crossed over and when so when the homie little Johnny and Timmy started listening to nwa it put them on a different level on a different platform even though they were giving us uh this music we call gangster music bro i was talking about it in episode one when the first time i ever heard nwa how i just like i couldn't believe what i was hearing right. the, the what they were saying the energy the rawness and i'm looking back and i'm thinking about it and i'm like what's the appeal of that and i think it's because there's these they're like fucking warriors they're yeah. like fucking ready for whatever yes warriors Hell is yeah. maybe that's why it was so appealing 
to like a seventh grader. You know what I mean? Well, well, for for me, the most appealing part was the "fuck the police" song. Yeah, that fucked me up because what I was like lightweight scared of the police. I would never say "fuck the police," and then NWA empowered me to be like, you know what? Fuck the police. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on some real shit, bro. Like, and it was just this really empowering part of like, you just never heard a group like really attack like this, you know, the other biggest gang in the city. <laughs> Truth be told. Right. Man. Um. So they had us with the lyrics. They had us with the energy. But you have to understand, too, the branding, bro. I'm a Raider fan in Oregon. They're all wearing Raider shit all day long. I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah, I am fucking with those dudes. <laughs> so it was branding from the get-go with them, kind of, if you look at it. No, look back on them. They on, they moved it as a unit. They looked hard, hard. together. That unintentional, hard. though. When they realized that, that's when they should have monetized that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, nobody but you got to think they were thought like that. Yeah, they were first to the game, man. That's Gangsta true. rap was new. I, I, I mean, think they were really like that on like the Jerry curls. Yeah, that's crazy. That they, they, that they had Q curls, had a curl, and he was hard. Okay, so we're talking about the impact of NWA there, right? And we're painting the picture like this group is just fantastic, and they just right. changed the whole landscape. But then, right. how do they become a part of beef, and how how do they fit into the beef conversation? Well, Shit, they fought they fought the government. They from fought the one. government for well, that was one beef. freedom of speech. Right. That was one beef. That was huge beef. Well, then there was the internal beef. Jerry Heller, Easy, all over the the mighty dollar. Correct. Which, you know, was just sad to say that even to this day, that is the root cause of a lot of like bad situations or situations and beef and people like not having, you know, being on good terms, you know, money, the root of all evil. Yeah, man, and it's tough. Yeah. And then the thing they do is, in my opinion, they alienate the most, well, second most talented. You could probably even weigh talent level with Cube and uh, Dre at the time pretty even because Cube wrote everything. Everything. Right. Right? Like, like, like Cube gave us the blueprint for gangster rap, you know, from the get-go. So you're thinking, hey, I'm the name or, you know, I don't even know what the fuck Ren was doing, right? But I'm not going to pay Cube. So you think Cube just got salty because he was like, dude, Cube, Cube I'm not a, getting my flowers. He was an artist. He painted the pictures. Well, I think he. Not why just, did he get so mad? Because well, he wasn't seeing the money well, like well, easy. Right. Well, that and just and then probably bigger picture of seeing thinking about like the businessman Cube is now seeing the bigger picture of like Jerry Heller. Right. Like, oh, this motherfucker is trying to cut me out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like it's just trying to be like, and then but Jerry Heller needed Easy, right? You see what I'm saying? Because Easy was the and what was wasn't Easy the only reason he was the self proclaimed leader is because he was the money man. That Pretty was, much that was the dope dealer. Yeah, yeah. right. So, so I mean that's my understanding. So, I mean so, I wasn't there, so, so I don't know. But so if the roles reversed and Cube is because Cube is you know right. What if Cube was in the Easy E chair? Does that change the whole dynamic of it? Does NWA? it does because then he doesn't he doesn't f- have those feelings of resentment. Right, and he doesn't leave. He's getting paid, and you know, where does uh what happens? What type of music do we get? But if that happens, we don't get the classic beef. Oh man, that we love, oh. that we enjoy. Like it's like a fucking train wreck. 
Right. right? You you stop and watch. You stop and listen. You're like, oh shit, he said this. Oh shit, he said that. What the fuck are they gonna do? Well, we had to fucking choose the side. You couldn't wait for the next whose album's gonna drop. What are they gonna say? All right, so here's a question though. If we're talking about beef and we're talking about NWA, what do you remember? Who set it off? Who went first? Who like where did no Vaseline fall into the whole beef mix? Man, I think greatest beef song. I mean, once you hit something on such a high level, how hard is it to to sustain that or get there again? I mean, he ethered everybody. You know, MC Ren tasting like easy shit or whatever the fuck he said. I mean, he, hey, Dre, you know, didn't you wear lipstick and lace and shit? You know, like, like he just went off. Everybody, I don't even know what the fuck yellow do, you know? And there was nothing they could say because, once again, Cube had all this skill. He was he had, right. He had the lyrical venom. None of them could write shit. Dre might hit a hot beat, but no one's going to say anything after that. Oh no, and that's 1991. Yeah, that's that certificate was album, right? October 29th, 1991 on the death certificate, no Vaseline. Some interesting fact about this particular song. Mm. The UK release of this particular album omitted this song along with the uh the little of Black Korea little 42nd joint yeah. thing in there. It took it off the album. Just nope, you don't get to release that out here. Nope. So, in the if you're from the UK, they don't know what no Vaseline is. That sucks. You know what else is interesting to to add to the conversation? NWA at the time, like nobody is really said what they're saying and putting this out commercially. I mean, a little bit, maybe you know, Ice T has some music out, and there were a few other rappers who had said some shit, but like nobody. I don't think we recognize that like nowadays people just take it for granted, but nobody had said anything like this. There was nothing like that well, whatsoever. Not, right. Not, and getting at them like where you feel like you need to fight them. <laughs> yeah. Cause he said some shit. Well, and what's more interesting is why was there never a response? Yeah. Well, maybe that's to what Tony tech was saying though. No, I was just going to get into hey, trying to fight them. Remember when a uh, lynch mob and, uh, the NWA click met up at the mall or some shit, man. I don't. You're yeah. gonna have to help me because. Oh yeah, dude. There was an incident where um, I, th I think they were they were coming in and out of the same building, uh -huh. and then all of a sudden, a gorillas in the mist came out, bro, and lynch mob went out there and they just started stalking fools up. See, I don't even. I had a lynch mob tape. I had one tape. Yeah. And I know they did a second one too, but I don't think the like the first one was the one. It was yeah. the one. The gorillas right? in the mist. Yeah. That, that there was some slap on there. Slap. But I don't really know where they fit into it. That was just Ice Cube was mad, left NWA, and that was his click. Well, remember, he went to the East Coast. No, I don't remember. Bro, yeah. he went to the East Coast and did a lot of his production. Um, I forget, is was it the Bomb Squad yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that? Harry I believe uh, they're East Coast based, and he was working with a lot with Public Enemy and Chuck D. And like he was on some real hip-hop shit when he left NWA. And, uh, and I think it was to prove a point, really, at the end of the day. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because one of the things that back then, if you don't remember, was a West Coast rapper can't rap on the East Coast rapper's beats and vice versa. Right. We got so much to talk about with this beef topic because I think after you start looking at NWA, right, and then you look at Eazy-E, and I don't, I don't think you can 
skip over real motherfucking G's. Real mother, that's a hard ass record. Like, do people real? Like, do people? Wait, who wrote? Remember that? that? Fucking, wait, who wrote that fucking record for? Because you know, Easy E didn't write that fucking record. I think MC Ren did. Did he? I think so. So um, that's certainly one you want to Google, right? If you don't know about that, and I think it was what was the album? I have it. I'm gonna grab it off the wall. Hold on, y'all yeah. talk while I grab it off the wall. Yeah, uh, let's see. It was released in '93. All right, I got it right here. I got it. All right, Easy E, the album, it's on, and then in parentheses it says Dr. Dre, but it's crossed out, and it says One Eight Seven Them Killer. That's the name of the album. Bro, who the fuck is Dresta and BG Knockout? That's who wrote the fucking song. Hey, do you remember oh. this too? If you've never seen this album, when you open the album, it's got the picture of Dr. Dre oh, and his yeah. like little sequins <laughs> and shit, dude. <laughs> you seen this, Tony Tech? Oh, yeah. You remember oh, this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so anyway. Killing them. We were talking about real motherfucking G's. Uh, it's a featuring gangster Dresta, Dresta, I don't know, and BG Knockout, right? Produced by Rhythm D. It doesn't say anything on writer's credits. Well, it just I'm, has Easy e Gangsta, Dressed, BG, Knockout, well, Rhythm D. Dressed a Ghost wrote Easy es verse. Okay. Who the fuck is Dressed It don't Easy matter because that's a classic, dude. He's calling out Dr. Dre with eyeshadow, lipstick, <laughs> oh, sequins. Say nothing but a sheet thing, baby. <laughs> like, man, it's a once a bitch, still a bitch, always will be a bitch, and I put that on God. <laughs> Damn. God damn. 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 Damn, that's beef. And so imagine if you're Dre and you're you're hearing this record and you're seeing this. But then you see the fuck with Dre video. Oh man. Oh. Dude. Come on, man. Dre Day. Come on now. Come on, man. Come on, man. Beef. Dude. Wasn't wasn't the guy in the so, Dre Day video? Wasn't he the actor from um was it Friday? Wasn't that Isaac? I don't remember, but he looked like him. He looked like Easy. But oh, so funny. let's talk about it though, because we we were talking about no Vaseline. We just talked about real motherfucking G's. We're talking about Dre Day. Of all of those, Dre Day is the radio hit. Right. Dre Day is the right. song that right. resonates with everybody, without people even knowing that there's beef going on with anything. <laughs> and Dre Day is literally a fucking Fuckin diss record. record, like, and it's a single with a video. That's dope. I just like the song. <laughs> That's crazy when you think about it, though. Like his single was just talking shit. Yeah, it was a great record, and it was more like to think about that. It was real, really an introduction to Snoop, like where we're getting really introduced to Snoop at that point. That was the Chronic album. Well, absolutely, because you got to think, right? You got nothing but a G thing, and which, then Dre Day, and you're like, the, what are you talking about? Right. These singles are huge. huge, huge. So we're we're thinking about that, right? Do you think at any point during this whole, you know? Hey, no Vaseline, real motherfucking G's. Do you think Dre's back there thinking, shit, dude, every time someone drops a diss record, it's getting lots yes. of airplay. It's getting lots of attention. Yep. You know what? We need to do this, and maybe that's and why- do it, it right. And maybe that's why it was the radio signal. Maybe that's why it was on MTV all the damn time, right? Because they're starting to understand there's a formula to this, you know? I can't let no one talk shit about me. I got to respond. And when I respond, people are going to listen every single yeah. time. Do you think Dre is realizing that beef is marketable? Right. You think, exactly. you think they're having that conversation at the time? Right. I think he was searching. He was searching for Snoop Dogg. He's known for his ear. Correct. Yeah. He like how like, Filet is known like, for connecting. Like, the like I think that DJ should start rapping. Dre was like, Hey, I think Easy should rap. 
And then they made him who he was. Right. And then Easy came out with the disc record. And he was like, shit, I got to find another gangster, like a real gangster, who can rap. And then who came along? Snoop Dogg. Deep Cover is one of my all-time favorite songs. And, oh, and Easy E rapped like no other person when he first hit. Uh, no, nobody rapped like that. And then when Snoop first hit, nobody rapped like that. And they both came <laughs> and from And let's Dre. just call it what it is. Snoop Dogg is the greatest gangster rapper of hey, all time. Hey, if hey, you want to take hey. the cheat off, there's no, there's no debate yeah. there. I'm and, sorry. And just on some real funny shit, Dre definitely trumped Easy in Protégé's. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh. I'm just saying we got Snoop. I mean, I love me some Bone Thugs. Yeah. But, they're, but really, how much did Easy have to do with them? You know what I mean? Like, he just, got involved. Just, they were already he just something. He put a sticker on it. He was the money again. Yeah, That's exactly. What it was. Whereas, like, Dre's actually, like, hearing talent and being like, right. ooh, I'm getting with you. Who is this? Right? And you heard the story on that. That's what Warren G. Yeah. Warren G. So I think this kind of brings us more into the death row era right because right? we're, we're moving out of nwa and their internal beef right. and then you know easy's passing and dre getting involved with suge and starting death row records and ice cube doing his solo thing right and we're at a point now where death row records is becoming pretty dominant in hip-hop in the early to mid 90s right oh yeah oh yeah i mean all the records all the magazine covers right it's all death row this death row that you know and um they're just popping stuff off. And then Tupac needs a savior. Who who bails him out? Suge Knight. Right? Death Row. Hip-hop and wellness. Right here. It's the Hell of Years podcast. Suge is not. The one thing about Suge Knight is Suge Knight is not stupid. No. Suge has made a lot of fucking money and has made a lot of moves. And was his move fucking gangster? Oh, yeah. 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 Right, but there were some other moves that he made that probably like we wasn't even paying attention to that he made. But thinking about like the East Coast West Coast beef, and then seeing how the chronic shit played out with Easy, and then being able to elevate that beef because that East Coast Death Row versus Bad Boy that became. I mean, that's all you heard about. In hip hop, you have to draw a real line in the sand. Again. But what started that though? Was it the Source Awards when Suge got on stage and was like, "Hey, if you don't want the producer to be dancing and blah 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 all around in the videos, come over here to Death Row." Was that Suge just like being like, "Fuck y'all," and what really, really started it, like officially? Would you think? Yeah, I, it's that whole thing of, "Yeah, we cool," but I just don't like you. But you're a little <laughs> but bitch. But you're a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and that's and I can see that. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, Suge was just being his gangster self, though. You know, he was out there feeling himself, hey, we just came out here, we won all your awards, uh-huh. you know, and then you have, you know, Snoop, East Coast, well, got no yeah, guy I remember that, that shit. I mean, just the scowl on his face. The look. It's like, oh, you know, and then people are like, what? what's going like on? Like, they were really funking it up. Yeah. In, I don't know, I'm guessing that was in New York, right? Yeah. But they're in the, on the East Coast. And I remember seeing Snoop being like, you ain't got no love for the East. We know, we know where the fuck we're at. Yeah. And like really setting it off like, y'all want some some heat right now? Let's go. I couldn't believe that. People didn't know what the fuck was going on. Right? It was like, what? Is, what? There, there was so much confusion. Even if you watch the video, the people in the crowd are like, 
stuck. They're like, what? what? I'm about to throw <laughs> something out at you guys. Okay. So, November 30th, 1994, uh-huh. Pac gets shot at Quad Studios. Yeah, he does. Okay. Who did it? Hmm. Who shot you? Now, at before this, this is before a bad boy, Suge Knight, Death Row Beef. Okay. This is Pac Biggie. Yeah. Is it over Faith? We don't know. But they got something going on. But he did say, I fucked your bitch. I fucked your bitch. <laughs> so, so we'll let Pac tell, you know, let him, let Pac be the leader on that. But, so, do we think that the beef originated? Is it something that, like, Pac, part of the deal with Suge, because Pac needed help, right? Yeah. That was his thing, because shortly after he got yeah, shot. he needed he help. Got, Who's he, gonna bail me out? Who's gonna put convicted. a million dollars down on my name? He got convicted. Yep. And but also so but Pac ain't dumb either. Nope. They had to stir it up. Because at that time, what was Pac's biggest record? Brenda got a baby? No, no, because no. me against the world had come out, right? So you got so Dear many Mama. tears. You got okay. Dear Mama. Okay. You got I get around. Okay. I get you gotta keep your okay. head up. Like okay. he's had he's had some slaps. Okay. But he needs to get out of jail, yeah. and he needs somebody to step up. And who does? Suge. So, right. real gangsters gonna recognize that and be like, you know what? There might be some shit that I'm not happy about with this arrangement. But who else is putting a million dollars up to get me the fuck out of jail? I'm gonna. Suge is doing it. I guess you know what? I appreciate that. I'm I'm rolling with you for a little bit. Right. And then, what really fucks up the whole thing? 1995, February 95. Biggie releases fucking Big Papa. Guess what the beast height is? Who shot you? Who shot you? Now, I've heard and I've read and I've listened to and I've seen a bunch of shit on this topic. And I don't give a fuck if Biggie denies it. Like, if you're Pac, how do you not take that as a slap in the face? Oh, it is. So, we have that, right? Then this is where it's official. Kind of circling back around to your source of words. Yeah. August 3rd, 1995, Suge Knight goes, yay, yay, on Bad Boy, on mm-hmm. stage. Yep. And that's what officially kind of solidified this beef. But there's all these kind of back intertwinings of beef. And you know what's crazy? When I sit here and think about that, mm. right? Let's correlate that to the gun violence and things that we see on the streets today. Okay. Right. A lot of times we see like, okay, why, why is it get to the point where I got to shoot somebody or kill somebody? And you're not really understanding it. And you look at like all these little backstories that you don't know about. That's kind of gotten them to that point and how important it is to try to like have some level headedness at this, this section back here, because I think once it gets to a certain point, there's no turning back. And I think that's what happened with, Bad Boy and, and, and Def Row. They could never be friends again at that point. There could never be anything good. Especially when it was such, when it was in such a public arena. Right, exactly. When, when, when everybody right. knew, right? It's not like, you know, hey, fuck you. I don't want to talk to you, blah, 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 blah. Two weeks later, hey, let's go to the bar and have a beer. You know, no, it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It's like, I have dissed you in front of everybody. We about to go to war. There's no going back from that. But why is that so entertaining, though? Because people love that shit. Well, it's the ego. Well, think about it. It's like fucking politics. We want to be a part of something. 
fuck? Is it because we like competition? We exactly. like to see the battle? We oh, like yes. that? Well, it's hip hop. We yes. want to see who's going to come out on top. Who's the hardest? Who's the warrior? Well, before, well, think about how he evolved. It was Death Row, Bad Boy, right? And then it turned into East Coast, West Coast. Right. Which Where are you is from? exactly which Where made you, you draw a bigger line in the sand of how you represent again competition. Taking sides. Exactly. Competition. No, man. We I'm we, competing with you. We all love that, man. That's why we have favorite sports teams. That's why we have That's why we watch sports. Yeah, no, we, 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 we That's why we watch we a like game because the competition, who's gonna win? I don't know. That's Facts. why boxing was and in my opinion still is as big as it is. That's why we got MMA. Right. Hey, that's why we tune in every four years for the Olympics. Right. We love to see people go at each other. We love that battle, bro. I talk shit about the Olympics most of the time. And then when they're on, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm we, like, we, yeah, we all go USA. <laughs> I don't even give a fuck either. I don't either, bro. But that I'm rooting them on, dude. Too, I put my bro. 4th of July shirt on. I'm ready. Why? Because that's where we're from. I don't right. even celebrate 4th of that's July. That's where no we're from. That right. has been ingrained in our DNA since Roman times. You battle. Motherfuckers, you. gladiators. You're right. Think about it. I mean, the story of mankind says, is beef. It's even the same today. The story like, of mankind is beef. I'm just saying. It is, though. Look at it. The story of mankind it's is beef. conquest and beef. I'm taking your yes. shit. Yeah. I don't like yes. you. You're a bitch. <laughs> and then back back no. in the day. No, you're cool. But you're really a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> back in the day, in the gladiator days, you know, they throw bread to the people. And you know Wait, nowadays, Don, were you, you go, there? You go to a you, yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Except they was throwing rice. <laughs> but now, if you go to a game, what are they throwing you? They're throwing you free tacos, free chalupas. Where it's the, the same fuck shit. Are they throwing free tacos at? I need to be <laughs> at this go. Game. I mean, they give, you, like they give you the little. They give you the little voucher but the fucking blazers gotta score 100 points and these fuckers suck oh yeah they do we're ending now with Pac and big and a a level of beef that really hadn't been seen in celebrity culture and in just pop culture and like this is a real beef like two adults really on some like i might have to fuck you up type of shit right and it's probably not just fight you right this gunplay right right Right. And ultimately, like worst case outcome of beef is you die. Right. Or the people around you die. Or people that you care about are are innocent are victims, hurt. Right? right? Are hurt, right? right? Bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm connected to people. Yeah. I'm about to tell you, I'm about to fuck you up. I'm connected to, not necessarily connected, but listen to how crazy this is. So, you know, I play football, Sacramento State. We was, um... On a flight back from New York, we played at Hofstra, right? It was back in upstate New York. We had a layover in, in Vegas, okay? We sitting in the bar, chilling. Bro. I see the pox shit, like, right when it fucking happens. Yeah. Right? But, so we're sitting there in the fucking thing, like, bro, they just shot fucking Tupac, bro? We're bugging. Then we get yeah. on the plane, like, bugging Tupac, right? Get home. The whole shit with Pac, like, God damn, this shit is crazy, right? Whatever. Fast forward. Spring break. I'm down in L.A. with... This is when Biggie's about to get killed. I'm down in L.A. with some of my dudes. March 9th. Spring break from Sac State, feel yep. me? We rented the big giant caddy, smashed out there. 
bro, listen to the radio. Fucking Biggie is yeah. shot at that fucking party. Yep. And I'm like, God damn. And, and then I didn't realize this two years later of like, bro, I was in both cities when these fools got killed. Yeah. How fucking crazy is that? Crazy. And how sad, sad. ultimately. Well, how sad and tragic yeah. that Tupac and Biggie in their 20s leave us. Zach's talking about, you know, they just both passed away at such an early age. You know, um, we were very fortunate that that Pac had that work ethic that he had. Right. Because we were left with just so much of his of his music and his talent and and his his legacy has lived on. You know, unfortunately with Big, you know, we get, you know, the the first album, which is incredible. We get the uh, double disc later. But imagine if just he would have had the opportunities to go out and create more music. Right. Where, where would he have evolved to, right? What, what, what more would he, we have gotten, right? You know, I think Jay just said it, man. If Big would have lived, you all would have got the commission, you know? Just imagine what that world would have been like, you know? Well, I, well, I, I think, honestly, I'm sorry. Pac was on some other shit, bro. Like, far, like musically, I, he, he was gonna, he was gonna like come to a point where he had, he had done everything musically. He was gonna move into other realms, bro. He was gonna be the president of the United States earth, type shit, earth moving. Yeah, he was gonna be universe moving, bro. And and I I I, I fell into in fucking two thousand. I fell in and I was in Chicago for some reason. I I end up in this lecture that fucking talking about like. How the the feds basically assassinated Pac, fucking crazy. It's certainly because plausible. of it, his power. I th- I thought he was like on his way for an Oscar, honestly. Oh that yeah, motherfucker could act. He could act. Just watch Juice. Juice. Just watch Juice if you haven't. And I know there's probably a lot of youngsters who have not spent time with Juice, That's or a, even Pac's real catalog. Like they know about him. Poetic Justice is a great movie. Like oh, dude. Tupac was a fantastic actor. He was a great actor. And he was what? He, how old what? was he when he died? Twenty seven. Did what he go to the, Juilliard? What yeah. was the movie that, he was in with the high Timothy yeah. Roth? Uh, gang related. No, oh. no the drug Gr- movie. Gridlocked. 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 Pac was a good actor. He was twenties. He, he was bro, that dude. Bro, his poems were dope. Like, yeah, I got the book up there. The, the rose that grew from concrete. Yeah, there you go. And that, bro, he was just a very talented individual. Um, glad we had a chance to experience him, but the beef uh, ultimately cost him his life. Yeah, and that's where we're at nowadays. I think is realizing, you know, how sad and how tragic that was for for Pac and Biggie to not find a way to somehow work through that, and it ultimately ends with, and you know, that could be completely random events, and in some respects they were and at some point that's going to catch up to you but both of them passed away way too young they had unresolved beef and they had a friendship too that actually started with them being cool with each other and doing some music together (laughs) right like if y'all have heard running like they did something together before and people don't even really think about or know about that and it's crazy right and they just think it's just like, and that's, that's what's crazy. It's always like what they say, like the, the person closest to you kind of like, you know, hurt you the most, I guess. Yeah. So we're going to talk in just a moment about actual records, because while we've been talking about NWA and some of the history on Pac and Biggie and Death Row and Bad Boy and that stuff, um, 
part of the beef we want to address and, and talk about are the songs and the disc records. And we touched a little bit on No Vaseline and Real Motherfucking G's and Dre Day and whatnot. But there's a lot of records out there that are straight records disc records or battle records. Right. Which is talking about what you were saying earlier, Tony Tech, and just that that competition that's a part of hip hop, you oh, know? Man, it's once again, that's that's why we love it, man. When when I first got exposed to hip hop, it was going to uh, B boy battles, right? right. And, and once again, it's called a battle, you know. You're 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 coming at each other. You're trying to elevate your style to be better than this guy's style. And then when we get these early beef records, we're not whole focused on physical violence we're, we're we're focused on i'm a better artist than you you know right i, I mean we uh talk about songs right you 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 hear the bridge is over by krs1 you know going to mc shan and the whole Queensbridge crew right like and that that beat is iconic you get all this other stuff and then you're like oh shit he's talking about us you know we thought you're hey, a south bronx south south bronx oh the bridge is over the bridge is over you know what like bye bye you know and, and and they just hit all that shit and even though they weren't trying to physically get at you you just knew man they just try to attack our style so what tony tech is talking about right there that's what we're talking about up next songs Beef is going down right here, episode four of the Hell of Years podcast. We'll be right back. Yo. Hip hop and wellness. You're in the right spot. It's the Hell of Years podcast. It's your day one maintained. Broadcasting live from Sacramento, California. This week on the Hell of Years podcast. We talking that shit, man. That beef shit. Worst pandemic ever to hit hip-hop Remember, but remember Hip-hop come from the streets, man Street activities are gonna roll over in the hip-hop Regardless But a battle and beef is different Battles are healthy in hip-hop Beef is some other shit But what Biggie say? What's beef? What are you scared to go to sleep? Mama can't go to sleep. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be an ICU. What's beef? Beef is when you need two gats to go to sleep. Beef is when your moms ain't safe up in the streets. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be an ICU. One more time, man. I swear that record right there, Biggie. Come on, man. He he was such a good storyteller. He was. And he could paint that picture so well. I agree with that on Biggie. Definitely. Yeah. And uh you know, I wish he could have been around a little bit longer. You know, Absolutely. really. Absolutely. I really Absolutely. wish I really wish he could have been around a little bit longer. Him and Pac, but but him in particular because I don't think we fully like with Pac we got a lot more because we got the acting. We got all these different kind of things from Pac. From Biggie, we got this one thing, which was just music. But I think there was a lot more to him. Um, we only got two Biggie albums. That's it. You, you know, Life After Death's a double CD. There's yeah. a good amount of work on there. But only two right. projects. I know. Like, that's it? What more was, was in his head? I oh, mean, man. How much more could he have shared of himself? Because you He just, was a writer, man. He was fantastic lyricist, dude. You just saw that. Every time he touched the mic, you were mesmerized. So what do you guys think? If we're going to start talking about songs, 
and beef, right? <laughs> and we were talking about who shot you a little bit earlier. Like, what was your guys' take when you heard who shot you? Oh, shit. I really wasn't fucking with the East Coast at that point. I kind of feel you. I was Team Pac. Yeah. But I, I, I was checking I, for it. Like, I, I was listening to what Biggie was doing, but I was for sure Team Pac. Big Pop, Big Papa was because it was a party type record. And Juicy, too. And Juicy. And party, One More Chance remix. Party, party records before as like, getting into some, like, Ten Crack Commandments, yeah. Who Shot You, shit like that. That didn't happen until later on in my life. Okay. So, back then, and I didn't listen to it. You know, for me, I mean... I was already an East Coast hip hop fan, right? I I, I love the lyricism. I love the the uh, chaos behind those early East Coast, you know, golden era hip hop records. So when 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 I got the the CD, my two favorites at the time were uh, the What with Method Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I who love shot that. you? Who yep. shot? I'm like I'm like ooh, you know, like like oh shit, you know he's he's saying some shit right there, and 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 I like that. The party stuff once again, it was cool, but it was those a. I'm going to talk to you a bit. Pay attention. I like that. It's kind of like when you're talking about Will Smith or the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff, how you went towards Jazzy Jeff and the DJing. Like when you're hearing like the lyricism of Biggie, not so much the party records, you're like feeling what he's doing. And and once again, that's because of where I'm from, right? right. You guys had that 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 hardcore Bay connection. You know, you guys are pot guys. There, there ain't no if, ands, and buts about it because that's where you're from. You know, even though I'm on the West Coast, I have a different experience. Right. Well, know? I'm from the Bay Area too. Like you got love for digital underground and just yeah. the Humpty Dance and Freaks oh, of the Industry yes. and like just the fact that Pac was part of that collective and affiliated with Shock G. You know what I'm saying? Well, it was Money a, B. It You're was like, little, oh, we fuck with Pac then. Well, it was a little piece of us. Yeah, for literally. sure. You know what I mean? Now, I would like to get Don's perspective on that because he is older than us. What you're saying though. Right year old um he looks younger than he does motherfucker uh what's your perspective on like when you first heard biggie so up until the deaths i thought it was a marketing play Mm -hmm. it even existed after their deaths because how many albums did Pac release after he died agreed many you know like there was so much money being made there was so much you you we can't even fathom the amount of money you know what's sad was that Pac and big weren't really seeing very much of it too and even after their deaths like their estates and their kids and their 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 families didn't didn't see what they should have real gangsters fucking well back then it was definitely the labels (laughs) mr suge knight let's talk more records I'm thinking ether Nas. oh 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 man that that ether story man um i remember the day Ether dropped, we were in the studio and Buster Rhymes was actually in the studio with us. I think Carly Hustle was was actually on the mic and it was during her show. And um, they had sent Busta the Ether track. Mm-hmm. And we listened to it for the first time with Busta and we got his instant reaction. I bet he I mean, was just like, whoo, oh, it, shit. It, yeah, he's like, and, and he was like, Nas got it, Nas did. You know, he was... He was all over that shit. You know dude. what? I was there, and I yeah. remember that, bro. Yeah. We no, no fucking lie. We were in. He, Carly was interviewing him. He was doing a show at the fucking Crystal Ballroom that night. Okay. And this is when uh, and he literally got the track sent to him. And I, I want to say Fat Joe called him afterwards, probably, and they were like talking about it like yeah. bro did you fucking hear it and if you've ever like peep fat joe he's hyped you know what yeah, i'm saying I bet he was hyped and talking if you about ever it. peep fucking uh buster he was hyped so yeah and then uh yeah 
that was a pretty cool experience yeah. of he played the record for us he was fucking hype Nas fucking killed that record um but but jay man goddamn that takeover is i'm sorry takeover is right up there with ether to me jay because jay casually fucking just slices you up yeah like you have to listen to it seven times you're like bro he cut me five thousand times bro like what that so was, effortlessly yes too. bro it's like pew, pew. Well, I, I just listened. Gotcha. I, I just saw this thing because um, you know the big. He's on this new record with uh, Pusha T right now. It's called Was it Neck and Wrist? Yep. And so part of his verse on there is this diss to Phase on Love. And so if you're not familiar who Phase on Love is, if you've seen the movie Friday, he's Big Perm. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That's Phase on Love. And so Phase on Love. Why is Jay-Z needing to diss well, because, Phase on no, Love? No, though. listen how cold Jay-Z diss. Phase on Love says something like two or three years ago. Yeah. That Jay Z wasn't legit. Like yeah. ah, I don't. I think his raps is fake. And Jay Z just got at him in the rap, right? Yeah. And the rap is cold. And Phase on Love is in this interview, but like I don't. I don't really feel he dissed me. Like what? <laughs> like, like did you listen to the fucking record, bro? Like maybe you should go back and listen to that record. I haven't bro. listened to it because he actually got you, bro. Maybe that's something more in the records that we should play is one of the, the neck and wrist. Oh man, I'm gonna have to verse. check that out. Yeah. So see, but so that's recent. So this is Jay Z getting at somebody right now because oh, yeah. again, that's part of hip hop. That's part of what we do is we we go at people just for the sake of sports. Sometimes, sometimes it's because I don't really like you, or you know, you might have said something or did something that I wasn't feeling. So I'm gonna speak on that. But there's a there are a lot of historic beefs aside from what we were talking about. What are some more that come to mind? Well, cannabis is a song, second round knockout. Oh, against LL, huh? Now. Only reason this is important. I like what he brought out of LL. Yeah. He brought like on oh, was it four three two one is the record? That's a great record. Oh bro. Was it Method Man on that? DMX too? Yeah, bro. He killed yeah. that record. It was somebody from Master P is on that record on the remix. Wow. Master P is on that record. And uh but he he killed him. So that that song reminds me of beef because they beef for a long time, even though LL had won it like from a long time ago right. cannabis kept like the flame kept the pot boiling like no bro like you didn't win but he what about did. dj quick and mc8 Ooh. Ooh. if you're from the west coast speak dollars on and it. cents is one of the hardest diss records speak dude. On i'm it. sorry speak on it I'm, that's all i'm speaking on it's off the murder was the case soundtrack and uh it's for sure in my top three but i love how it sounds i love quick i think he, he makes fantastic music and that record right there yeah, you left out the G because the G ain't in you. Come on, man. Like, well, I think we have to talk about back to back Drake, Meek Mill. Oh, he, hey, he murdered Meek so fast. Yeah, it was a very short battle. That was a very short battle. There was nothing there. Yeah, at all. <laughs> there was it not was, much content. It was over. It was there over. was no substance. Yeah, but anybody who tried to go at Drake literally gets murdered like that. How about recent Eminem, MGK? I, I'm an Eminem fan, so I know, like, but I, me too. But I liked MGK song better. How can anyone even think about going at M? Like, like right now, it's game, it's game. right? Game's really? Like, I got a diss record for Eminem. I'm like, game, just stay home, bro, because you ain't gonna win that shit. He's man. trying to get his streams up, bro. But right. game even used to say that he'd say nobody wants it with the white boy. He used to say that. I know. Mark, there you go, Marketing. bringing it full circle. I know, bro. I always thought that MGK was like he admitted to idolizing the guy. Exactly. Yep. So I think he just called him and was like, "Hey, I 
I don't want more album sales. I think I should put out this rap dissing you. It might not even have been him though. It could have been his rec. It could have been the record label. It could have like, been like, "Hey, he we got like, an idea. Let's have these guys beef." Okay, I, it's about time for me to come back with a comeback record. So yeah, that's perfect. You know? Well, and Eminem has lost his relevance though. Absolutely. I mean, he was. Well, you guys got to understand, Eminem was at the top. Yeah, and yeah. he's still legendary, he right? I'm he not saying rap. that, but his brain back his sales then, weren't the same no. as they were when the Marshall Mathers LP was no, dropping. No. The real Slim Shady era was no. way different than what yes. I'm not afraid was right. doing. You know what I'm saying? True. So, how do you get him? How do you make him cool again? So, are we building these beefs and these battles like like a heavyweight fight, like an MMA championship nowadays? Nowadays, are we? I mean, well, I, you're talking about well, it. as society, we put things on a pedestal. Yeah, because again, we want to be fucking a part of something and give our two cents, and that's why I think we have a lot of these fucking internet trolls and people wanting to make the comments. And I mean, yeah, the shit's funny, but like people want to like you know give their two cents. And one one of the monumental beefs that we're not really talking about uh, is the Fugees, where you know Lauren Hill had gotten internal into beef, it, right? Got into it with Wyclef, and you know if you our hip-hop head and fan and if you haven't and if you're a millennial you need to go fucking listen to the miseducation of lauren hill and the score you gotta and, spend time and, with the score yeah, first yeah, before you go that's to true. lauren Sad. hill solo album that's true Sad. facts Sad. um but lost ones was a disc record to wyclef mm. and and people and that was a fucking radio smash smash how did wyclef feel i don't know yeah, gone till November. I'm a Wyclef <laughs> fan too. <laughs> hey, you hear Proz feel really though? Hey. Proz was like, I'm in the Fugees too, y'all. Talk hey. about me. Hey, no, no fucking lie. I got to tell you a quick story about Wyclef in New York City. Uh, with Ebro, we're driving on FDR, and it's like this main fucking highway that's by like the fucking river, right? And uh, we see this dude. Remember that fucking uh, Spider Man chopper? That fucking Wyclef had in all the magazines yeah, and shit. Yeah, he got it from like that. Uh, the fucking chopper builder yeah, dudes, right? The, the, the son and the dad, they yes, built that one, yes. the spider one. Bro, we look. Yeah. It's fucking Wyclef security pushing that fucking chopper down to FDR. What? Why? We pull up next to him, we're like, bro, everything good? Yeah, bro, I ran out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was pushing his fucking chopper down FDR, bro. It was See, the funniest it shit. It happened to anybody, happened man. Happened to fucking anybody, bro. Man, God damn it. After sitting here talking about different songs, you know, I'm over here thinking, you guys remember when a comment came out, Cube? Yeah. With The Bitch and You? I mean, Cube, you know, once again, in my personal opinion, wrote the best diss song ever. And Common's like, nah, I think I could come at you, bro. Watch here. And boom. And. To Filet's comment, you're just a little bitch. So the bitch in you comes out. Dude. Right. How'd you guys feel about that one? Did you, Do you think, was it worthy enough? I'm, all I'm it? saying, I, I like Common, right? I do Common too. Sense, like, Common Sense, yes. Fantastic MC, right? Excellent. Do I need him beefing with Ice Cube? No, never did. But look what happened after that. I, I hear you. He but, got checked oh. on that shit. On some real West Coast shit, like uh, oh, I believe it, and I believe it happened probably multiple times and behind closed doors yeah. and from people that you didn't think that that was gonna come from. Right. <laughs> like, hey, by yeah. the way, you don't get to do that. <laughs> hey, with a little shoulder tap, and then they turn around, and then you're like, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Was it good? Yeah, it was a cool record, right? Then yeah. he looked at his check and said, I don't care. Right. <laughs> Because, again, this stuff makes money. These yep. records make money. People talk about them. 
And all of a sudden, you're part of the conversation. You're you part get a, of the conversation. You get to throw in your two cents. You get to somewhat be relevant. And then, you know, we keep talking about this, right? Like, like as humans, we love that drama. We love to watch that shit. But how good is it for us? You know, how, how good is it for us, you know, mentally to invest ourselves into other people's beefs and actually care about that shit? Well, it's toxic, bro. And it's, and I think people get caught up in that shit. And I think that's one of the things that we see with some of the younger people, because there's this foundation being laid that has been laid of how you handle your problems. Right. And because, you know, I'm a rapper, I don't want to look like a, quote unquote, you know, uh, a bitch or a square or whatever you want to call it. Right. And so there's this, this thing I have to live up to if I'm going to call myself this. And so for me, you know, if the rapping ain't working, maybe I got to go beef with someone because that's how they got on. So coming up, we're going to jump into kind of what Tony tech was alluding to just beef and like how and why we go there and how we get out of that and kind of share some stories uh, from what we've learned in our many trips around the sun, we'll share with you. It's coming up right here. Hold tight. We'll be right back. It's the Hell of Years podcast, episode four. This is the Hell of Years podcast. It's the Hell of Years podcast. Hip hop and wellness all together. I fight dirty, bro. I'll fucking kick you in the dick. I don't give a shit. Fuck that shit. <laughs> kick you in the dick, Tony Tech. <laughs> <laughs> hey. What's up, my name is Big Kid Boots. That's my homie, kick you in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> Say word. Oh, dick punch. Oh, gets dick, you, man. Oh, dick punch Larry over here. But isn't it isn't it funny how many more experiences and just circumstances when we're younger we get into where shit like oh, that can yes. jump off? Like, like it's not even something you expect to happen. We're just minding our business, but at the same time, we're the type of people, we're the type of men that we're not going to let people come up on us like that right like 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 we, we can't talk about it this isn't this isn't a predetermined beef this isn't oh you're just a little bitch this is hey we're minding our business but we're gonna protect ourselves right which i think in those situations like do what you got to do absolutely it's not really beef at that it's just it's survive. protection right yes. right which i may shoot you or i may smash your face in with a rock or you know what i mean like right i have to like protect myself you know what I mean? That's a different type of beef. So I think as we talk about kind of just the idea of of beef, um, I think that's kind of the shit that we have some control over. You don't have really yes. control over when some shit jumps off at Fred Meyer and you're right. shopping and some motherfucker <laughs> goes crazy, right? <laughs> right. Like those kind of things may happen here and there. Right. But just, I mean, the type of beef that we invite into our world right. and that like we allow to... What, what's us. your threshold right of like what what kind of gets you over the limit is it stepping on your new jordans oh, you know what man. i mean beef hey when i was broke i only had two pairs right one were my school shoes the other one were my basketball shoes i was playing in uh-huh. yeah you fuck with my kicks we had an issue you know i was beef but is it still no i, have like I don't even wear jordans no more <laughs> <laughs> my daughter does i mean i'm i'm more like dunks and back in the day uh, i used to go to high school with Jesus. Uh, Phil Knight's son. <laughs> With Jesus. <laughs> With Phil Knight's son, Matt. That motherfucker never wore Nikes. Really? That's he wore crazy. Box. That's funny. Damn. Just and to I, say, fuck one, you, dad? Yeah, well, one day I was like, man, man, your dad owns fucking Nike. Like, what's why? going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's back when, you know, there was having the Chinese make all their shit. 
He's like, oh man, that's all slave labor. I won't, I won't support that. Wow. Yeah. That's and crazy. His son is one of the big reasons they stopped. And now his son runs it. How about that? And his name is on the arena down at the University of Oregon, the Matthew Knight Arena. He's yeah. doing all right, is what you're saying. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in high school, you know, going to their house. And it was like, this motherfucker has basketball courts and like four tennis courts. They had a helicopter pad on top of the roof. Damn. I was like, damn. What the fuck? I never, I still to this day have never been in a house like that. Next level. Next level. We got stories for y'all in the Hell of Years podcast. I'm trying to tell you. We did some shit. It's episode four. We've been talking about beef, how it's a part of hip hop, how we, we kind of looked at some of those famous beefs, talked some of those songs. We all got memories and stories. I'm wondering though, like at this point in our lives, like what do we do? To try to stay out of the beef because I found myself in a place where like I don't want nothing to do with no trouble. Well, I think one of the most important things that we have to figure out is identifying your trigger. Yeah. Right? Like what actually makes me go over that threshold? What makes me go to the next level? And so, you know, if you can have some self control and help, you know, kind of identify these triggers, which it's not something you're going to do overnight at all. It's going to take some some healing and some learning and <clears throat> digging a little bit deeper into yourself. But if you can identify triggers that kind of send you over the edge, mm -hmm. maybe that will help kind of deflate or de-escalate the situation before it's even a situation. Because half the time, you know, why was I even mad? Right. Why? 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 I can't even remember the reason why I was upset. I remember the outcome because I did something, but I can't even remember why I was mad. You know what's crazy? When I think about some of the shit we got into when we were younger, man, some, often it started with just somebody looking at us sideways. Right. Like, so I'm literally talking about we're getting into problems with people over the way somebody looked at us. Which would be a trigger. And I think Filet hit on this earlier this, this afternoon when we were talking, man. It's, it's that death of ego. Right, right. When when we're young men, we we have all that testosterone. We are out there. Hey, I gotta prove myself. You know, hey, I got something in me. I need to let out. Right. As we've gotten older, as we've experienced life, as we look at what's important to us and what's not important to us, you know, we're able to balance those scales a lot better mentally. That when we look at those situations, we're not trying to get caught up. We're not trying to do that because I know at home I got a wife. My I kids. got children. Yeah. I, I have built something where I want to be. I don't yeah. want to be out in those streets. I want to be at home with my family doing those type of things. So we let that other shit slide a little bit more. Right. Well, I think, you know, you, you couldn't have said it any better, bro. I mean, that's it right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, really, at the end of the day, if we are able to identify our actions, we're not able to, we're not scared to look in the mirror at ourselves. It's been a common theme that you talked about. Man, because it's very important, bro. If the one thing that I've realized in my journey is you guys will see as we go through things, I've been through some real shit, like near death shit. Yeah. Right. And the one thing I've realized about life and being grateful for life is you have to kill the ego. Because if you don't, you're going to walk around and make very unconscious decisions, which going to affect everyone around you from your family to your friends to 
how you deal with certain situations, right? Like how you decide to react to something. Killing that the ego is very important, and it and it's it takes some self reflection right. to be able to realize you need to kill the ego because until you you know I would say. Uh, 100% of our decisions that we make are ego-based. And when you kind of step outside of the box and look at it, then then you'll like fully kind of like engulf it and understand So let it. me ask you guys this then. If we were having that conversation with, say, a Tupac or a Biggie, you know, in their mid-20s, do you think that message would resonate? Is, is there a way to communicate that message to somebody who's in the middle of some beef like that? I think it would resonate more with... Biggie versus Tupac, just based on their personalities. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, Tupac was filled with venom, bro. Like, like everything about Tupac, he was out there. He was putting his heart and soul on the line. So if he firmly believed in something like that, I think he'd have a harder time grasping it. But if you talk you know, to Biggie, the way he conducted himself, his attitude, and most importantly, his personality, his mental state, I think he'd be more open to something like that. I think Pac could get there, too, though, because he was so deep. I feel like he would see it as, you know what? Black on black crime. I don't think brother Pac on would brother be. crime. Like I gotta get past. I think he would have gotten past that at some point in his. Well, his ego. Awareness. Well, well, that well because he was too much of a spiritual entity anyway. Right. And so at some point, you're absolutely correct. He was gonna have to take that look in the mirror because his actions. He was gonna see the repercussions of his actions, right? If he kept leading a certain way, the thug life, and blah 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 blah, and, and had to kind of live this kind of ego-based life, which is what most rappers fucking do. Let's just put it out there, right? And for me, it took a monumental thing happening in my life to even have the 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 what do you call it the the enough umph inside of me to be able to one even look at that. And one of the books that um, I was able to, you won't be able, you won't get this book if you're ego driven, straight up. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna front to you because I tried to listen to it two years ago and I'm like, ah, what's this fucking bullshit? It wasn't the time. You weren't ready for that information. No, but after uh, some incidences in my life, which we'll get into later, I found this book again. It's called The New Earth and it's by Eckhart Tolle. And it's essentially about killing the ego. And oh, sorry, I just accidentally hit it on my Audible <laughs> app. But anyhow, we can get into this later about that book. I encourage you, if you're a person that's looking to try to better themselves, if you're a person that's looking to like figure out like the why in your life or why certain things keep happening to you. Sometimes a lot of this shit is fucking ego driven and like this helps you get through fucking killing the ego. And I literally use this shit as a reference in my life where I'll just go back and listen to certain chapters because what's it called again? <clears throat> it's called the new earth hmm. by who Eckhart Tolle. Hmm. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. It's, it's worth, it's worth to listen, you know, on your drive, if you're looking to try to, you know, just enlighten yourself and, and be a better version of yourself, because that's essentially what I want to be, is the best version of myself, this is definitely helping you get there. And do you guys think because when we're younger, we have so much ego, and we have some, like you were talking about, Tony Tech, something to prove that that's why we get into so much more shit? I think it is, man. I mean, we also look at 
once again, it all comes back to a lot of where we're from. You know, culturally, where I'm from, I'm Mexican, man. We have a very machismo culture, you know, like like everything is about the man. Everything is about being, oh, I'm a man's man. I, I do this. I do that. So as, as young men, you're like, hey, don't cry. Hey, be tough. Hey, andale, cabrón. I say so, you know, don't be scared, you know. So we're built up into this this ego, this this toughness, this this facade that in order to be a man, you have to be this. Right. You're not allowed to be vulnerable. No, You're not allowed no, no. to be emotional, you know, and these are all important factors that make you a better person when you are, you know, 43 years old and have two daughters. What's <laughs> you know your what cultural mean? take on that, Don Juan? I'm very attached to my ego. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty, though. Yeah. No, that's fair. Why do you say that? I guess when I face myself, I like who I am. If I have an ego, then I must like it because I like who I am. I think you can like who you are, though, and not necessarily have. But there's one thing that too much of an ego. differs between oh, I got him. Ego. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that differs between him and all of others, all the rest of us in this room is he's the only person without a child. And yeah. that child helped like quickly, right. oh. quickly squishes that ego, especially with the little girls. You don't have girls, Tony, but them little girls, bro. Oh, oh, bro. I have a granddaughter now. (laughs) Yes, I'm. You're in trouble. Tony Tech is old as fuck too. Hey, hey, hey! I'm my oldest daughter. Tony Kiki in the dick is old as fuck too. (laughs) Grandpa Tony. (laughs) That's how we learned our shit, man. But hey, I have a granddaughter now, and I'm just around her, and I just melt like anything she wants, anything that she needs. I'll be the first one, except I don't change no diapers. I ain't changing no damn diapers. (laughs) I am done with that shit. But everything else, oh, yes, let me feed her. Oh, yes, hey, let me do this. Oh, yes, let me do that, you know? And I just see the love, you know? And it's uh, it's different than boys. Boys, eh, they're like puppies. I let them run around. I let them bite each other, whatever the shit they're going to do. Because they're little versions of your ego, bro, literally. Exactly. They are. Interesting. I have no experience. And that's why, for you, the ego doesn't matter. And the ego, and and to be be quite honest, I bet your ego helps like propel you like, like through your shit. Because like for you, you got to like be headstrong, like believe in yourself. You're not like, it's not like you have, you know, you look at this child and like, you know what? This child depends on me. I got to make this shit happen. Like you, you look at the mirror, you're like, I got to make this shit happen for me. You know what I mean? And so you do have to have a little bit of an ego operating in that realm. I feel at least interesting. I have like two, like, one experience of the ex who had children and one day he was he was throwing rocks and apples at my dog my neighbor came over and was like hey your kids like throwing rocks and apples at your dog talk to my girl you know like what the fuck you know you need to you need to like take care of that she's like no you, you need to take care of that i was like what it's like you need to give him a spanking whoa i'm not his father i'm not spanking nobody else care um, but she like no you you need to do it remember back back when you would get a spank i don't know if you ever got spankings but oh yeah i got my you, ass whipped. when you when your dad would say this hurts me more than it hurts you i don't I know if you're it. i don't know if i hated that ever. saying just fyi <laughs> but yeah i never i never understood it till i had to do it oh man to a kid that wasn't even mine yeah i yeah. i cried more than the kid did yeah i was like that shit fucked me up yeah because you understand that those type of traumas carry more weight than the actual physical act. And maybe that was your ego a little bit, letting you understand it, even if it was just for a second, a oh, moment yeah. in time. 
you know, my wife now, I might as well call her my wife. We've been together for like 12 years. But, I mean, her kid's like 26. <laughs> it's a grown-up, grown-up. <laughs> he, he's six foot five, like. <laughs> oh, you ain't fucking with I, him. I give him yeah. a hug, you know, my face is in his chest. <laughs> so you're at his dick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's when you punch him in the dick. <laughs> God dang it. Oh, kick him in the dick, bro. Kick him in the dick. <laughs> Tony Kick him in the dick, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that name's staying with you forever. So forever. I guess just to bring it all home, I guess just, you know, as we've gotten older, I think we just are willing to talk through shit. Maybe we have a little bit more patience and a little bit more willingness to let some shit slide. And right. say, you know what? Maybe it's not worth it to me. Like right. if, if it's go time, it's go time. Right. And that can happen at any age, at any moment, right. at any place. Agreed. Yep. And I recognize that. But and I'm okay with that. You know, but if someone's looking at me, I give two fucks. You know, have a good one. Right. That, has, that hasn't even happened chimes. to me in so long. Well, I think because we don't look for it anymore. Though, too. Right. You well, know that's... what I mean? Like, I'm just oblivious. I don't give a fuck. I'm not out there scanning, looking for, like, trouble. <laughs> I, I honestly, like, it hasn't happened since the whole fucking stop Asian hate thing. How, how did you feel about that? Like, I'm just curious, like personally, how did that moment in time or that little movement, how, how did that resonate with you? To stop Asian hate? Yeah. Of course I agreed with it. <laughs> yeah, but it seems weird that all of a sudden people, are, oh, we're going to say oh, yeah, this no. now. You're like, motherfucker, it should have been like that for <laughs> always. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have had to grow up that way. <laughs> <laughs> right? All of a sudden now it's not cool to hate on Asians. You're like, it never was cool. Right. It didn't really affect me until... One of my black friends posted, you know, some stop Asian hate stuff. And then I was kind of scrolling, scrolling through the comments. And one of his friends was like, no, fuck them motherfuckers. They never done no shit for us. You know, I, I, I don't. <laughs> he's basically just like dogging the Asian race. And I was Jesus. like, holy fuck, what the fuck? So then I commented, you know, like. Because this is one of my friends. I was like, man, I've been down with you since day one. There was never no Asian beef, whatever. I've been there. I'm down. Like, Yeah, what the fuck is you talking what about? The fuck right. is, what the fuck is your boy saying? And then his boy came back with just like, you don't know me. Bah, 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 bah. And I was just like, what the fuck? You know, so I think I commented back trying to like intellectualize with this person. And then his next comment was even, I, I fucking like just blanked it out. I was like, oh shit. And then because I was the first person to comment and it was like replies to my comments, I just deleted my comment because I don't need to deal with that shit. And right. I don't want a bunch of people reading all that. Sh it was a bunch of bullshit. I was just like, what the fuck? Like for real? Like I, you know, I, ha I have poems about the, how I feel about, how Asians and black people are very similar, you know, uh, not saying we're the same, but, but we're the same. Even, even the name of the poem is we the same. It's from Spike Lee and do the right thing. When, when the, the blacks and the Koreans are all beefing and the, the Korean store owners like, we the same, we the same. And, and Radio Rahim's like, fucking, we ain't the same, you know? He's, like, talking all kinds of shit. And then he, they 
burned down the store and shit was like it reminded me so much of that like and how preposterous and stupid that is because you know asians gone through some shit just like black people we built the railroad the black people and the asians built the fucking railroad from one end of the fucking coast to the other end of the coast we've been through some shit we got thrown in concentration camps you know when when the war hit like asians have been through some shit you ain't shit <laughs> that's shit that's beef it's Mother, beef motherfucker story of mankind so i walked away Man. i erased the erased the comment that's crazy hey, that was a death thanks of for ego. sharing that yeah that was a death eagle right there was. You made that conscious decision. You're like, I don't need that in my life, and you moved on. Exactly, because the ego. If if you would if you would approach that ego driven, it would attract that motherfucker. Right, down. exactly, and it would have been a spat online, and you, it would have been more shit that came about it. And so that was a very conscious ego based decision that you made, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Of like how every day. Right. We come across of having to make these decisions that are ego based and you have to realize how many basically all of our decisions are driven by our fucking ego. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to kill the ego. And then so you can literally deal with each situation as an organic thing of and, and you're not treating it just like the other thing. And you're dealing with with the task at hand rather than. Oh, if this person says this, that's my trigger. And automatically I get mad and I get upset and I'm going to want to fight, you know, like that's dumb. You know what I mean? Like, come on, grow up. So the ego is, that's why the ego is very important to, to kill the ego. And it takes some going through some stuff to even be able to see that. You know what I mean? And ultimately that's what all this beef ends up being about. Right. right. Ego driven because I want to be better than you. And of course there's healthy beef. Oh yes, there's healthy That's competition. This healthy beef. We were talking about that oh, man. before we jumped yeah. onto the podcast. Healthy beef, gentleman beef, gentleman, gentleman beef, gentleman yes. beef. The gentleman beef, which is healthy, healthy competition, just like us playing fucking Madden. Exactly. And I'm whooping your ass, and you get mad, and you have beef with me because I whoop you. But you kind of like that feeling too, though. I like, do. You kind of like like when you got somebody you're sparring with Don't a little right. bit. Oh, Don't even play this guy in Madden. <laughs> I was never. Why would you do that, that to yeah. yourself? <laughs> I came front. I ain't played video games in probably like five years. It don't matter. They're I don't pretty care. He probably fucking pick up Madden and oh. be like, oh, do yeah. some shit. And you're like, fuck. Did you coach? It's What's fun. <laughs> he did. Hey, hey, hey. Fillet did coach. Fillet coached with me one year. <laughs> I did. At Cleveland. He, he did. He I did. My, my oldest son. He coached. And we're talking about healthy beef. We're talking about competition. On the sports field, I, I think that's what healthy beef is. Right? You have competition. I coach high school football and basketball. I tell my kids every day, competition is healthy. Competition is natural. It's okay to go out there and compete. It's okay when you're on the court and you're playing within the rules of the game, go out there and give that dude everything you got. And if he doesn't give you the same in return, you won. The competition's over. That's on him, not you. But when that clock is ticked down to zero, you walk off the court, you grab your brother, you honor your brother, you thank him for pulling that out of you. Because if you don't have that, whether it's on a football field, basketball court, wrestling mat, you know, in the ring, whether you're playing lacrosse, soccer, that competition's healthy. Shit. When we were kids, 
we would have these like volleyball games and all my cousins would come over and we wanted to rip each other apart. No one wanted to lose that shit. But when we walked off, we were good with it. You know, hey, let us get that aggression out of us. I mean, Filet, you're a Division One athlete. Yeah. How how did that experience mold you and and that competition and that healthy beef? <sighs> well, <clears throat> I mean, it is uh it's I think it's something needed. I mean, and as growth as a young man, right, or or rite of passage as young men of going through shit and competing and not saying it again. And it's like, I want to be very politically correct here and make sure I'm saying the right thing. Um, it's, it's the path that you're on, because some people's path isn't that. Some people may live their life and never have any beef with anybody, right? And competition isn't their thing right? Which I totally get. But if, if for the most part and for most men, competition is like built in our DNA, mm -hmm. like naturally, whether it's playing video games or playing fucking Monopoly with the family, oh. I'm fucking competing, right? And so it creates this drive in you, right? To be better. And for me, being a person of color coming up, that drive to compete had to be tenfold because not only was I competing against, you know, the guys, you know, going for the, this, my, my peer, but I'm competing against the coach. I'm competing against the community. I'm competing against all these other things that want to kind of like keep me down. So I have to go above, beyond, beyond, beyond to, to be even be like, okay, yeah. You know, so for me, it built this resilience in me uh, that's carried on through my life, which I've been able to share with my daughters. And now I got, you know, uh, a D1 basketball player on the way that you guys be hearing about soon. Man. She's fire. Boom. Bam. I know Bam. one thing that taught him how to uh, shoulder check motherfuckers into brick walls. <laughs> we got to hear the story let, let of me, the let, shoulder check real quick. Let me Not to interrupt you, Filet, but. Okay, so we were out one evening downtown. Um, it happened to be snowing. I was, yeah. it was after the club and um, out here in Oregon, which is different than most places, the liquor store used to let you buy beer until 2.30. Yeah. Right? And so you can go to the club, leave the club, go buy a rack, and then go hit the, you know, after he's at the house with a new rack of beer. Like, let's go, right? So I went to go get some brewskis, some shit. I'm going back to the house and we're sitting in the car and I see these guys uh, messing with this homeless dude. And I was like, and they're like throwing snowballs at him. And I was I remember this. I was like, if they throw a fucking snowball over here, I swear to God. Yes. I'm going to fuck them up. And I just so happened to have my window, Boom. Window, my window, my window was down and the fucking snowball hits right on my steering wheel. <laughs> fucking snow splashes in my face. All oh, I was so fucking pissed without, no word. I just bum rushed this dude and I fucking shoulder checked him. And ironically, like snot came out of his nose and shit. It was pretty funny. Ooh. Bro, we was rolling a blunt. I was trying to like keep that part out. <laughs> Come on, man. It's filet. And shit. And all I, all I see is like, psh, like snow. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And I turn, I look and DJ's already got, he's already out halfway out the truck. I'm like, what the fuck? I jump out the truck like, oh, shit, it's on. I get around the front. This mother, he was already across the street and already had <laughs> shoulder checked this fool into a brick wall. And all I saw was smack 
This dude hit the brick wall, <laughs> and he just he he slid down the wall like a cartoon, like <laughs> boom, and then he just slid down. And I as I got up to snots, just fucking bubbling out this dude's nose, <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? And then his homie tried to fucking jump you. Yeah, and he, he just all he did was turn around and straight, straight jabbed at the fucking face, and the dude was like. Down on the ground. And I, I, I hadn't even got to the other side of the fucking street. <laughs> hey, listen, I was a different person when I was a young man. I was a, I was a real hyena out here in these streets, man. I'd never seen oh, any shit like that. I was a real hyena, man. And it, as big as this fool is, well, like to see him fast. run that fucking fast, I was like, oh, exactly. Shit. Like, I used to sack quarterbacks. Oh man, man. <laughs> we we played a, a few of those flag football games. Remember, we used to go out there. Oh, they wasn't ready for me on the flag dude, football, dude. Like, like I mean, I, oh, I whatever. told you, I was a D one athlete, bro. He's not. He's not as fast as me. He's not faster than me, dude. One play, I took it easy. The full stiff army, dude. I did like three backwards somersaults, <laughs> and I'm just like popping up, like, okay, I, I need to move now. Fuck this shit. <laughs> hey, bro. But yeah, also, but that just kind of like encompasses the. When I was walking through life, uh, ego driven, man. Yeah, for sure. All those, all those decisions, all those things that we're talking about right now. Uh, even playing fucking flag football was ego yeah. because I wanted to kick your ass. I wanted to kick yeah. everyone on that team's ass, yep. and not just like you know, and not, and not. I still love you, but I wanted to kick your ass. You know what I'm saying? Of course. And so, beef. exactly, gentleman beef. It was gentleman beef. You know I me, mean? which are two different kinds. Which where then after the game we went and got beers. Yeah. But the guy I slobber knocked. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to stomp his face in more. But they're like, we should probably leave. The cops are coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> probably a good idea. So we left. You know what I mean? There it is. We're gonna be telling all kinds of stories on the Hell of Years podcast. Uh, this is episode four. We're about to wrap this up. I guess just any closing thoughts. I guess we'll just go around the table real quick, man. I just want to first thank you guys for coming out. We're gonna do this at least every month. Uh, maybe record a couple of episodes at once. But very exciting. I appreciate each and every one of you, Tony Tech. Man, first of all, thank you for having us giving us this opportunity to express ourselves and, and be part of something as special as this is really important to me and I get to do it with my brothers. So thank you guys for that. Heck yeah. When we're um, closing thoughts, ideas, man, once again, once you're able to surrender yourself, you know, the ego, you know, understanding what your true purposes are, you realize that when you're trying to balance those scales, that beef, that, that silly shit, that doesn't enhance your life no longer has a place in your life right you're able to let that shit go you're whether it's internal whether it's family whether it's friends whether it's that shit you have in your own head that you're beefing with yourself at times man you have to be able to let that go and understand there's so many great things in this world embrace those and not this negativity i'm just gonna leave it very simply man kill the ego and watch how your life changes I swear to fucking God, kill the ego. Watch how your fucking life changes. And it's not, it's not easy. I'm going to tell you that right now. This is a hard thing to do. But if you're willing, you want to change, you want to be a better person for yourself, your wife, your girlfriend, your kids, your family, your coworkers, you name it. Got to start with you. Kill the ego and watch your life change. This sound like I'm listening to Wolfman Jack over here. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Louis Armstrong. 
I seriously think you should start rapping. Get at me, dog. We do not condone any of the actions that we perpetrated as younger gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) All facts. (laughs) We did a lot of shit that we shouldn't have done. Uh, So, yeah, don't, don't be stupid like we used to be. But the shit we did made us into the person we are today. So, I mean, yeah, goddamn, you kind of got to have some life experience. Yes. You know, if if beef comes your way, recognize that what it's, type of it's, beef it is. Yeah, it's yeah. shit. If, if it's gentleman's beef or if somebody got to whoop somebody's ass. Recognize what kind of shit it is. You know, is it is it shit deserving of retaliation? Or is it just shit that you just, you know, brush that shit off? Which is like... 99% of the shit beef that you might come across. Well, if they call my mama a hoe, we're going to fight. Oh, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know. That's the line. That's your mom, always. Your mama's a hoe. <laughs> oh, it's on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's always been mine since, <laughs> since she passed. Like, any kind of mom shit, I yeah. do. I, I, it's go time. I can't tolerate. The, That's the Karens and the Timothys of the world. Yeah, y'all get fucked Timothys. up. Timothys. Is that what they call them? I don't know. I just made that up. I thought it was Chad's. <laughs> there Chads. we go. Chad's. No. Chad's. Chad. I feel bad for like good dudes named Chad. Me too. I know a couple. That's fucking Chad. <laughs> I if know you're some listening. real good Karens too. I'm yeah, like, you're like, damn, that, that just sucks for you. We'll probably leave it on that note. <laughs> Episode four. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Bye-bye. Word. This is the Hella Years Podcast. It's the Hella Years Podcast. Hip-hop and wellness. All together. Episode four. Four of the Hell of Years podcast is in the books. Shout out to my brothers, Big Filet, Don Juan, and Tone Tech for hanging out with us today. Can't wait to do it again. I will see you next week for episode five. My name's Zach Woodruff, a.k.a. Big Kid Boots. The website is ZachWoodruff.com. That's Z-A-C-W-O-O-D-R-U-F-F.com. Check out the GetFreshApparel.com website. My man Tone Tech on there just did the homegrown drop. Definitely some fly Oregon shit on there. Again, GetFreshApparel.com. Can't wait to see y'all next week. My brother Don Juan's going to hit us with some spoken word on the way out of here. It's all love. Hip-hop is health. Beef. We all know what is beef, especially if you in them streets. Beef is a part of life. It represents hate. So the opposite would be love, which doesn't hesitate. There cannot be one without the other side as well. There cannot be a heaven without a fiery hell. And you can't have all the bitter with everything that's sweet. So look to the other side when it's you that's in them streets. And repeat after me. When I think that I might have beef, kill the ego and turn over your leaf.